welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. This week, we're back to our classic myth monsters rather than something more on the cryptid side. We're looking at probably the most legendary bird written within Greek mythology, and that is the wonderful phoenix. You probably already know what this monster is, but just in case you were a bit lost, the phoenix is one of the most legendary birds across the ages, represented in most cultures across the world in their own languages. They are usually depicted as mythical firebirds due to their link to the sun and flames. They are generally described as birds who are red, orange and gold in colour to reflect the rays of the sun and the burning embers of a fire with a long plume of fiery feathers. They are debated on how big they can be, with some scholars saying they're indicated to be large as either an eagle or an ostrich, so you can see the difference there is immense. Although the more common is definitely the former in this case, as the phoenix was extremely adept at flying, and it would usually be depicted as either having a halo or a nimbus over its head. Now, a nimbus is not a broom, despite modern culture, but actually a halo with seven little rays coming out of it to represent their link to the sun and the Greek god of the sun, Helios. It would have a crest of feathers around its head resembling a crown of some sorts, as they are believed to be linked to royalty as well. There are conflicting stories about the colour of their legs and eyes, but some poets have said that they have red legs and yellow eyes, others have said yellow legs and blue eyes, so it's a bit tricky to get to the bottom of. Who really cares? Not sure. What they do all agree on though is that they have huge rose pink talons that could eviscerate prey. They're also sometimes, quote unquote, reported to have healing powers that they can pass on to those they deem worthy. But they don't tend to hang around humans by all accounts. They are reported for having a call like a beautiful song though, so that's nice. The phoenix is a bird of prey, much like eagles, and they would most likely have lived on fish, but were large enough to pick up smaller mammals. However, they could only hunt in warmer waters, as it was believed that cold water would harm them due to their fiery soul of being a firebird, I guess. It was believed that they were the embodiment of flame, so I suppose it does make sense. Now, some of this sounds pretty normal, right? Kind of sounds like a glorified eagle, but this bird is anything but. It's also famous for being the symbol of rebirth and regeneration, as it's immortal, but not in the traditional sense. Every 100 or so years, the phoenix would build itself a nest of cinnamon sticks, delicious, and instead of laying an egg to pass on the generation, it would burst into flames upon death, crumbling into a pile of ashes. Within a few hours, a chick would emerge from the soot and start life over again from the ashes of the old body. It's believed that phoenixes can live between 500 or 1,500 years, so they can get to be super old. Also, if they do get injured, they can regenerate and heal themselves, making them practically invincible to go up against and defeat. It's also believed that the new phoenix takes the rest of the ashes in an egg made of myrrh, as in Jesus myrrh, and drops this into the city of Heliopolis in Egypt, which is now Anshams. You might recognise this from a previous episode, and I'll get into why later. 
On to my favourite bit, which is always etymology of the word. The word phoenix, with its rather bizarre spelling of the O and the E next to each other, comes from the Latin word phoenix. It is technically pronounced the same way, but it's spelt differently. It's F-E-N-I-X. The Latin word originally comes from the Greek word panike. The Greek word was originally the Mycenaean Greek, which is pronounced the way I just said it rather than the way we usually do, which means griffin, which is another mythological creature. Can you believe it? Another word that's similar and often linked to the word phoenix is Phoenician, which is an old word for the people of Cyprus and West Africa in the Bronze Age, where the original Greek alphabet was actually created. So the word Phoenician means those who work with red dyes, and so the phoenix is very often called the Phoenician bird. They did invent a dye called Phoenician red from the crushed insides of a sea snail, and it's like a purplish-reddish colour, You can look this up now, it's called Tyrian purple in modern days and is considered the colour of royalty, again linking the phoenix to kings and queens of old. I think that bit's rather interesting actually, a weird bit of clothing and tailoring history along with our monster this week. However, you could also call someone who was an excellent person a phoenix, or there was also a name of a constellation called that as well, so there's a whole load of that too. So here comes the history of this bird, and it might ring true to people who have listened to another episode of the podcast recently. Originally, this bird was not identified as Greek. Shock horror, but actually, it was identified as Egyptian. They were originally linked to, and you might have guessed it, it was the Bennu of Egyptian mythology. I did do an episode on this last year, worth having a listen if you don't know very much about it, and I did talk about the phoenix in that episode as well in a short kind of manner but it was a giant crane-like bird that was linked to the sun and the Egyptian god Ra. Also, another really important mention here is the Fenghuang from Chinese mythology, which is another firebird we'll cover eventually, but they are basically the Chinese version of the phoenix used throughout Asian culture. We'll cover these another time, but they're pretty much exactly the same as phoenix from the west, but they've got a very cool and different backstory. Anyway... Eventually, the Greeks decided to put their own name to the creature as they believed that there were only a few phoenixes in the world. Whilst the Bennu were legendary, they were pretty common to see. It was believed that there was only one phoenix living in Greece, much like the Fenghuang in China, but you would find more if you went to a warmer climate, you would see them everywhere, and if someone from any form of magical background summoned them, And that's kind of fun, is that actually if they summoned them, they could become a familiar to that person. If they really felt like it, bear in mind, they are very stubborn birds and they are very proud. It was entirely up to the bird if it judges you worthy. Mentions of the phoenix date back to writings from the 6th century BC, which if you didn't know, was a long time ago considering we're in the 21st AC now. One of the most famous mentions is from the Greek poet Hesiod, who writes about the amazing centaur Chiron, who you might remember from the podcast on centaurs, teaching the hero Achilles about the legendary bird. It goes like this. A chattering crow lives out nine generations of aged men, but a stag's life is four time a crow's, and a raven's life make three stags old. While the phoenix outlives nine ravens, but we, the rich-haired nymphs, daughters of Zeus, the Aegis holder, outlive ten phoenixes. Obviously, they're referring to the godliness of nymphs there. 
They were also mentioned in a whole load of stuff after that, dating from the 10th century in the Exeter book, stating that it was the resurrection of Christ, bit of a push there, to poems in the 14th century by Dante in Italy, and even being picked up in Henry VIII by William Shakespeare. Here's a cute little extract from this. Nor shall this peace sleep with her, but as when the bird of wonder dies, the maiden phoenix, her ashes new create another heir. As great in admiration as herself, so shall she leave her blessedness to one. When heaven shall call her from this cloud of darkness, who from the sacred ashes of her honour shall star-like rise as great in fame as she was, and so stand fixed. Firstly, just going to say that I did study Shakespeare in acting for a little while, so uh, thanks for the compliment, guys. But anyway, if you wanted to look that scene up, it's from Act 5, Scene 5 from Henry VIII. This extract was apparently about the coming age of Queen Elizabeth I, who, of course, was a fiery redhead and royalty, so she perfectly represented the phoenix anyway. Now, is there anything that's ever physically and scientifically been proven to be similar to a phoenix? It's kind of a yes and a no. There are theories that the phoenix could have been something like the long-tailed chicken, which is terribly dull, but they are kind of cute, to be completely honest. Look them up. There is actually a type of these called the phoenix chicken, which very much looks like a normal rooster, and they were found in Japan, and the Japanese name for them is the ongodori. People also believe it might be the Duemesel crane, which is the smallest recorded species of crane, but they're very much linked to French royalty, and also the Egyptian Bennu is a crane-like bird, as we said earlier. And lastly, the probably the best link is the golden pheasant, which I think is the most likely suspect here. They are absolutely beautiful coloured birds who come from China, but now they live all over the world, even here in the UK. But they do have those gorgeous plumes, although they're only about 105 centimetres long. So they might be a bit too small for our phoenix, but they are probably the closest culprit here. Now we're going to hop on to cultural significance, which as you can imagine, there's quite a lot of this week. For art, there's a load of this one in crests, flags and coats of arms. It's been a legendary symbol of power and rebirth forever. You can see this in the flag of San Francisco, the Greek mountain government. You can see this on a whole load of college crests and city crests as well. However, for actual art, you would think there's more, but there are just a significantly small amount. You can see them in Friedrich Justin Bertuck's 1806 painting, or in the Aberdeen Bestiary, or you can have a look at some more modern adaptations with independent artists online. I really recommend you do this, some of them are really bloody cool. In movies, you've got films such as Godzilla, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe, Fantasia 2000, Big Bird in China, Mulan, Maleficent Mistress of Evil, X-Men of course, Revenge and Star Trek First Contact. Obviously the most famous mention of the phoenix was Dumbledore's pet phoenix, Fawkes, in the Harry Potter series who famously helped Harry on most of his adventures and regenerates in the middle of the second movie, The Chamber of Secrets. They call this his burning day, which is very sweet. It's a very touching little scene, and honestly, I think Harry Potter went down the drain as soon as Richard Harris died, but that's just my personal opinion. Also, one of the Harry Potter books and movies is called Order of the Phoenix, which is kind of a super magician club that does good just like the Justice League or the Avengers, but with wands and broomsticks. 
In TV, there's so much more, such as Supernatural, My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, Stargate, Pokemon Indigo League, Legacies, Merlin, Gargoyles, Avatar The Last Airbender, One Piece, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, X-Men from 92, Power Rangers, Digimon, Charmed, Dark Shadows, Conan the Adventurer, The Phoenix, Princess Resurrection, Dragon Ball and Yu-Gi-Oh! Obviously some of them don't have full-on phoenixes in, they've got inspirations linked to phoenixes, but the inspiration is so much so that you could just go, yeah, that's a phoenix, so Yu-Gi-Oh! is on there for that reason, guys, just as a PSA. It's kind of the same for video games, with ones such as Age of Mythology, League of Legends, Warcraft 3, Dota 2, Age of Wonders, Final Fantasy, Golden Sun, Gradius, Kirby, Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword, Paper Mario, Monster Rancher, Mega Man, Pokemon, Scribblenauts, Soul Sacrifice Delta, Starcraft and Toohoo, to name a few. Obviously my favourite is Pokemon, the Pokemon Moltres is based on the Phoenix, it's one of the original 150. I've been obsessed with Pokemon for the last few weeks since the new game came out, so I'm very sorry. For my book recommendation this week, I would shout out Mythologica, an encyclopedia of gods, monsters and mortals from ancient Greek by Dr. Stephen P. Kershaw, which is a gorgeous illustrated book about Greek monsters. Or you can have a look at Greek myths, meet the heroes, gods and monsters of ancient Greece by Jean Menzies, who I've recommended before. It's a really good one for all of your favourite Greek mythological figures. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? Now, I'm going to say probably not for this one. I do hate to say it, but it's very literally an immortal bird. He bursts into flames and then chirp, chirp, it's alive again. Very unrealistic, but it's a fun monster nonetheless. And it's wild because this one is so frequently used in modern media and myth tellings. I can see how this is totally a symbol for rebirth and purity. However, struggling to put this into real life context here. The only excuse I can give for yes they existed is that we have these three comparisons to real life birds, one of which is very, very similar. I can totally see how you could look at a golden pheasant and think, wow, amazing legendary bird, whoa. But they also have two other legendary birds from other cultures to back that up as well. So maybe I'm being too harsh. As long as one doesn't chuck a sword in a hat at me, I'll be all right. But if you don't hear from me again, it was Forks taking revenge. This monster is a really fun one that's been in so many modern things and honestly just the idioms for the last few centuries that I was excited to cover this one, like super excited. I also really love looking at legendary birds because they do just give me big Pokemon vibes. But next week we're heading back over to here in the UK and looking at a legend that most people do know as well and I have been so excited to cover. I've had to put this one off because I feel like it's so big that I just can't I can't just throw it in straight away. But yes, we are heading to the Highlands of Scotland for the one and the only Loch Ness Monster. This is so exciting. Come bobbing up next Thursday for this beastie. But for now, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next. And I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast. And for Twitter, it's Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk. 
You can also find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast. You know, if you feel like it. I did speak last week about uploading all of the things to YouTube. They have now all been uploaded. It took me ages, but I have done them. So you can now find every single episode of Myth Monsters on YouTube as well. So now there's no excuse. So share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes. Thank you.